looking at themselves go away and immediately forget what they look like. Now, has anybody been that person in the mall or the grocery store, right? You have a bad hair day or you're like, I won't see anyone, so I'm just putting on sweatpants. And as you're running your errands, you forget what you look like, right? Until you walk by the window and you go, oh, yikes, why am I in public? Okay, this is what James is saying. Don't do that spiritually. Don't do, be a person who reads the word of God and then gets so busy that they forget about it until there's that painful walking by the window moment. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James is looking at us in the eyes and saying... Don't be an armchair quarterback. Don't be a person who gets so good at being a Christian in theory only. Get on the field. When did you last play? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that your word is always full of love and grace for us. But God, your plans and purposes for our lives and the people that surround us are so big and are so amazing that you're not content to have us live in sin and brokenness. You're not content to have us sit on the sidelines when there's a good game to play. So this morning, God, would you help us to be good soil that your word can be planted in, that it would take root and it would grow good fruit. And God, I thank you that you are the spirit of truth. You are the revealer of truth. And so, Holy Spirit, may only your words, may only that which you are revealing take root. In your precious name, amen. Let's start back up at James 1, 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. It's a strong statement. If you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. That's an ouch one, right? Because... I look back over my life and how many times I've wounded with my words. It's so easy. And I think back and think, how many times did I actually go with a full apology instead of the half apology? Do you know the ones I'm meaning? Those half apologies where you're like, but I didn't really mean that. You know what, that just didn't come across quite like I meant it. You know what, my emotions just got the better of me. With a half apology. 
And it's not cutting it for Jakes. And it's not cutting it for us. He's saying, remember what I said a few verses back? Be slow to speak. We need to be people who weigh each word carefully, who keep a tight rein, or in other words, firm control over the things that come out of our mouth because they matter. You remember grade school? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of those things that you responded with that rhyme still roll through your brain? Words matter. And not only do they matter, but they actually prove the condition of our heart. They're a litmus test. Remember those pH strips? If someone could put that in front of your mouth and test your spiritual condition based on what was coming out of your mouth, what would that strip look like? Is it a good representation of Jesus? And this is probably the hardest of the three things that James is asking us to do here, right? Because words slip out. Things come out of my mouth and I'm kicking myself afterwards. I replay the conversation over and over and over in bed and think if I had just said this instead of that. This is how the conversation would have gone. And if we don't relinquish control of our mouth to the Holy Spirit, we're already lost. Because the tongue has great power. It has great power to wound. It has great power to bring disunity. It has great power to destroy. But it also has great power to build. So we must use our tongues wisely. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We must be intentional about what we say, about how we say it, and then in our slowness, how it will be received. For instance, my kids, I can talk to my two kids very, very differently. They're very different personalities. So I must weigh my words based on the recipient too, and not just the message. I have to mind my tongue because if I can't, my religion is worthless. Because I'm not a good representation of Jesus. And now, all of a sudden, I make him unattractive. I make him unappealing because my words wound. And if me, a daughter of Christ, can wound, maybe Jesus can too. If I can't mind my tongue, keep a tight rein on my tongue, 
but it's not just for those around us circling our family looking in looking at jesus but our tongue also protects each other in titus 3 1 to 2 and verse 9 it says remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good to slander no one to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle towards one another but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless why because we are siblings and what do siblings do right we fight this is what we do i am blessed to only have one brother like lucas has three siblings my brother can push my buttons faster than anyone else on the planet Sometimes he doesn't have to say anything. And thankfully we're friends now, but there were times, and if you're a sibling, you know this, right? They just had to give you that look in the car. They just had to like slide their pinky over the middle line, right? Yeah. And guess what? We can do that with each other, too. We know how to push each other's buttons. We know how to quarrel. We're all broken people. But we're the family of God, and we're supposed to portray the healthiest, most functional family not the dysfunctional brokenness of the world. And so we keep a tight rein on our tongues. And when we want to push someone's buttons, we choose unity. And we're having a bad day, and it would be so easy to let all of that come out of our mouth. And we choose peace. And we get in that mood and we're just irritable. We choose gentleness. We protect each other by choosing our words well. By being slow enough to speak that we think it through. By having firm control over our tongues. So that we don't just portray Jesus well to a world around us. But so that we protect each other like family should. Are we keeping a tight rein on our tongues? James goes, James goes on in verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, who do you know that's hurting? And what are you doing about it? Who is God breaking your heart for? And what are you doing about it? What brokenness surrounds us? And what are we doing about it? Jesus tells this 
um, illustration in Matthew 25 about the end of days. And he says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And he will say to those on his left after he's separated, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, but when? When do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick in prison, and did not help you. And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. This is pure and faultless, to look beyond ourselves. To actually allow ourselves to see brokenness and hurt. Instead of walking past brokenness and hurt and averting our eyes because it doesn't hurt as bad. And when we see it, to allow that to break our hearts and to allow our broken hearts to spur us into action. Because worship and devotion to Jesus should lead us to be people of action. Because God is a God of action. He looked down on us, trapped in our sin, trapped in our brokenness, and didn't sit back in heaven and go, well, that was their choice. No, he actively did something about it. He pursued us. Jesus came as a man, fully human, fully God, and went to the cross for us, he did something about it so that we could sit here together as family, as children of God. And it's really, really easy to be an armchair quarterback, right? Sunday afternoon comes around, I bring down my comfiest blanket, my great book, my cup of mint lime tea and whatever snacks we've got and I snuggle into my wonderful husband and spend the next three hours enjoying all of if we're lucky enjoying all of the emotion of the game with none of the work right? If the game is going well for the Seattle Seahawks, life is good. (laughs) It's not. It doesn't matter to me because I'm reading my book. (laughs) But likewise, we can sit and be armchair quarterbacks in all of our comfort We can come and sit on our wonderfully comfy chairs and we can have all of the emotion of the game by partnering with great people like the Williams with none of the work. And it can be terrifying because 
we sit there and go, but God, what if you call us to be missionaries and open an orphanage in Africa? I don't think I could eat the food there. And I would die. And maybe looking after the widows and the orphans will look like that. But maybe it will mean being here tomorrow at 8.30 in the morning to make snacks for 100 kids coming through our door, to run crafts or games and show the love of Jesus. Maybe it will look like going to Evergreen to give manicures to ladies who need to know that they're not forgotten their life still has value. Maybe it will look like collecting food and houseware and clothing for people who've hit rough times or have lost it all. Maybe your big yes to God won't look like moving across the country, but it will matter because you said yes to God. And God's looking for us to put him first, his mission second, and us third. But there's this other side to this coin in verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And meaning, you have to do both. It's not enough to just serve. Why? Because the world is full of really great people looking after orphans and widows that don't know Jesus. And so serving is not enough we need to do the and. We have to be pure in a contaminated world. What's the only way to do that? Actively pursue Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 21, it says, In a large house there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. And I love this. Because if Jesus sat me down and said, Lisa, would you like to be used for a common purpose or a special purpose? You choose. I want to be the special one, right? I want to be the one that Jesus is like, and I need a really, really special helper. You! Yes! I don't want to be like the one that just gets to wipe off the words on a whiteboard. I want to be the special helper. And in order to be the special helper, I have to do what? I have to purify myself. I have to be holy in order to be useful to the master. It's going to take a heart of purity. It's going to mean that I have to take time 
to cleanse myself through the word, through time with Jesus. Because you know what that football team looks like during the week while they wait to play the game? Preparation, study, work. We don't like these words. They're not warm, fuzzy blanket drinking my tea words. But if you looked in to the Seattle Seahawks, they're studying their playbook. They're watching footage from the other teams that they're about to play so that they're prepared for any special tricks or plays that that team is going to throw their way. They're working out their bodies. They're running drills. They're exercising. They're eating well. In other words, their entire life is consumed with preparing for a game. And the next game, they do it all over again. And in off-season, they take a little break, and then they're at training camps. And sometimes we think, like, we would be prepared, me, to step onto a Monday night football field and be like, bring it on, I'm here. I can take you. And sometimes I feel like in the spiritual, I could just walk into the equivalent of a football field not knowing very much and take on a professional team. But we need to be studying our playbook. We need to be praying and asking God for footage of the defense because the people that are coming against us and they're not people right satan and his demons guess what they spent time with jesus they lived with jesus in heaven before they decided that their way was better they probably know him better than we do So why do I think that I could do the same in my own strength without any preparation? Go onto the field and say, I can take you. No. I'm called to serve. I'm called to go and lift up the people that need to be lifted up. I'm called to go and do the things that Jesus has laid on my heart do something about the brokenness in the world. Do something about the people surrounding me that are hurting. I'm called to do that and be a person of prayer. So that I have the strength and the perseverance to run the race. And be a person of the word. So that I can stand on the promises and principles of Jesus. I am called to be a person of service and integrity, living a life of holiness as Jesus rubs off on me. Because then when I stand on that field and look at my defense, I am surrounded by an army with Jesus as my quarterback calling out the plays. 
and I know then that I have the winning offense. They're going to just wipe out all of my defense. Tackle, that would be the word. I just said how good I was getting at football, and I can't even think of tackle. Um, and now I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to make me shake in my boots because I know the promises. I know the one who is my victory. And I have no foothold for the enemy to come trip me up because I'm walking a life of integrity and holiness. So we can be armchair quarterbacks. in our devotions, sitting in church all the time. You know, we'll just end up fat and lazy. And we'll just end up being those people from Matthew 25. He didn't do anything for me. Where were you? So we need to be both. Both. Pure and seeking action. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves go away and immediately forget what they look like. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. The religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We serve a God of action. There are a lot of verbs, action words in here. Speak is a verb. Serve is a verb. Purify is a verb. We're called to do something, to be people of action. So when did you last play? And when are you planning to? When was the last time that we decided to step out of our comfort zones and ask God the hard questions? You know, the ones that we know are going to be painful? Ones like, God, would you show me my sin? Questions like, God, would you show me what breaks your heart? Questions like, God, would you help me control what comes out of my mouth? Because these questions are going to mean a season of pain. These questions are going to mean willingly walking through the worst of who we are, Willingly walking through the worst of what the world is. But we don't stay there. We walk through the pain to get 
to wholeness. We walk through the pain to get to holiness. We walk through the pain to get to God's plans and purposes for our lives. And today, James is asking us, are you ready to get off of the couches, to get off of the chairs, and to step on the field? Not on our own, but with Jesus as our quarterback, ensuring our victory. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I want to pray for you, but I also want to say this is not the amen that Lucas mentioned earlier. Okay, so we're going to pray, we're going to sing, and then we'll pray again, and that amen will spur us into people of action to change this room into our day camp room. So don't be ready quite yet. God, I thank you for your word. Even when it's not comfortable, even when it hurts a bit, because, Lord, you know how our life was supposed to go. You know what would have happened, what we would have looked like if we had chosen to say yes to you through every decision. And God, we know we have a very real defense who seeks to just take us out to stop your plans and purposes. And God, a lot of times the shame of all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our wrong choices, it can stop us dead in our tracks. And sometimes we just get comfortable and we forget how to risk and we forget how exhilarating and life-giving it is to say yes to you and to serve. And so right now, God, would you show us our sin? Not because you want to hurt us, but because you know that you will forgive us. God, I thank you that there is nothing you can't redeem. That you are a God who never shames us. So again, would you show us our sin? God, would you show us what breaks your heart? Would you open our eyes to see places of brokenness around us? People of brokenness around us? Lord, would you forgive us for all those times that we looked away and chose not to see because it hurt too much? But this time, God, would you help us to embrace the pain and allow that to spur us into action to do something. 
And God, would you put a guard over our mouths? Show us where our, our words have wounded and help us to make amends. And then, God, would you just remind us and remind us and remind us, slow to speak, slow to speak, slow to speak. Think it through. Are you building up? Are you tearing down? God, let us be people who are known by our words, that we are people who build up. Because you are a God who builds up. I thank you that you love us. You love us so much. But you love those people around us that don't know you. And you want your children to show them that. So our quarterback, Jesus, you call the place. And then help us to get off of our couches and take part. We love you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with us? Let's sing this song.